1: Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary, void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Welcome to Queen's Podcast, where Katie and Nathan are about to spill all the juicy details on yet another incredible queen with a little bit of spicy
0: language, or maybe even a lot of spicy language. Alicia and Stacy. Here from Trashy Royals, the podcast all about naughty nobles and our betters behaving badly, we wanted to let you know about the very real possibility of strong language in the following episode. Proceed as you wish.
1: Hi, this is Katie.
2: And this is Nathan.
1: And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Well, hello, Nathan.
2: I think it's that time again where we talk about some awesome women. Yes.
1: (laughs) Welcome to Queen's Podcast, everybody. If this is your first time tuning in, my name is Katie, and this is my lovely co-host, Nathan. Nathan, how are you today?
2: I am fabulous. Everything's feeling great. I (laughs)
1: love this for you. So, Nathan, who are we talking about today?
2: Yolande of Aragon. Mm. And who is she? Who is she, though? Who is she? <laughs> Huland was a major player in the Hundred Years' War between France and England as a well-known woman who's bankrolling this whole entire gal pal known as Joan of Arc.
1: Maybe you've heard of her. <laughs> Nathan,
2: tell us about this cocktail. We are making the French 100. <laughs> Ooh, French 100. I love it. It's a take on the French 75, which is a classic drink Mm -hmm. that includes gin. And I was like, me and Katie don't like gin. We're not huge gin
1: fans (laughs) around here. Sorry, gin drinkers.
2: Yeah, sorry about it. But I made the French 100, which just substituted. It's a shot of vodka with a little bit of lemon. And you shake it up, put it in a glass, Mm. top it with champagne, and use a little bit of rosemary and lemon to garnish. That looks
1: delightful.
2: She's gorgeous, is she not? She's
1: gorgeous. <laughs> She's beautiful. She's Grace. This is delicious. I love it. We, need, we really do need to just sit down and finally make that cocktail cookbook
2: i know right
1: it'd be such a cool i let us know if you would buy like a coffee table cocktail cookbook we could do on one page the recipe a picture of the cocktail and then the next page we could do like a short biography of the woman that inspired it so let us know if that's something that you'd want
2: but we should totally disclaimer it with please don't drink all of these drinks at once no
1: (laughs) space it out one at a time Please, Read about the woman. Please enjoy <laughs> responsibly, yes. Okay, but before we get into the story, we've got some Patreon shoutouts! Yes. yes! Okay, we want to thank our new Patreon supporters, Catherine, Colette, Tori, and Zoe.
2: Raven, Caroline, Elizabeth, and Yes.
1: Thank you, everybody, and thank you to all of our Patreon supporters, as well as all of our, yeah, everybody. If If you're here. Her buddy. Her buddy. (laughs) Thanks for being here. But speaking of Patreon supporters, we are doing this thing this season where we allow our queen, where we allow our queen mother Patreon supporters to choose the next queen we're going to cover. So we are going to do a drawing. We're going to do a drawing and choose the Patreon supporter that gets to choose the next queen. So, Nathan.
2: I'm doing some. You hear the thumb? Oh, are you doing a drum roll? <laughs> yes. <I am. laughs> a drum roll, please. The drum roll. <laughs> the drum roll. Uh, Who is it? All right. <laughs>
1: and so earlier we had Siri pick a number between <laughs> one and 20, which are the people that said that they wanted to participate. And we picked number five, which is Patreon supporter Kyle. So Kyle, we will be sliding in to your DMs. Uh, what do you want to hear? <laughs> be like, we'll be like... Hey, Kyle, you up? So (laughs) it's going to be fun. All right, cool. So anyway, on to the story. Yolande of Aragon. Nathan, tell us, when was she born?
2: August 11th, 1384. So she's a Leo. Of course she is. I love a good Leo energy. She was born in Aragon, modern day Spain.
1: Yes. Now let's go ahead and get something out of the way. In case you've never, if this is one of your first Queens episodes that you're tuning in on. Ye old Timey Spain mm. is a soap opera. We, uh, we've we seen it in <laughs> several episodes that we've covered before. There's always fighting. There's always infighting. There's always fighting with other countries. And yeah, it's just always really dramatic.
2: And there are always inheritance disputes. Yeah. This is all relevant, we promise. Yes. <laughs> um, but let's just meet Yolanda's family.
1: Yes. Her dad king was john the first king of aragon and his her mom was actually king john's second wife she was a french princess she was the granddaughter of the french king her name was Violante. no i think it's via i mean it's a french so it's probably like violon (laughs) she was mama v mama v was smart as fuck let me tell you what
2: yeah and it's important to note that this is in the middle of the hundred years war against france and england and john team france and mom is french and dad is a complete francophile oh my gosh it's totally possible that her first language would have been french not spanish
1: if you see her name written down it it's spelt y-o-l-a-n-d-e and that's how she's always referred to in history and so i went on twitter and i was like spanish speakers how would you pronounce this name like do you pronounce the e and everyone was sort of like well that seems to be the french spelling and i was like huh and the more i learned about her upbringing and how france was such much more of an influence in her upbringing i bet french was her first language and that's why And it it probably was. So I found that interesting, even though
2: they're in Spain. So that's a rabbit hole,
1: a weird little (laughs) (laughs) linguistic (laughs) rabbit hole that I went down.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, when Violant marries John, he has five kids with his first wife, but only one was still living, a little girl named Juana.
1: Isn't that so sad to have Mm -hmm. five kids and only one survive? But now he's going to repeat it all again because pretty soon after the marriage, John, mom, and dad started having babies on babies on babies on babies, but only one of them survive. And that's our girl, Yolande.
2: And sadly, dad wasn't really great at this whole kinging thing. No. He liked poetry and music and largely left a lot of the running shit up to his wife, which Mama V held the title of lieutenant queen Ooh. which basically means that she was running this shit
1: i feel like that should be one of the names of our tiers on patreon lieutenant queen i like that <laughs> it's just, it's giving very like yes sir i don't know like very militant i'm
2: a lieutenant queen yes, yes. <laughs> militant queen
1: yes <laughs> so yulon because of this yulon saw from a very young age how women could yield power you know maybe not necessarily be the ones that held the title and the power themselves, but mama was definitely the one calling the shots. And she saw that from a very young age that women could, um, you know, be intelligent and, huh. and powerful. Go figure.
2: Imagine that. Huh. You can raise a human being, so therefore you can raise an army. Huh.
1: Huh. 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 Anyway. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> but but I will say, in the grand scheme of things, mom and dad's rule wasn't super, super popular. Because during their time, Aragon lost a bunch of land. I mean, land is money, you know, land is power. Yeah, they weren't super popular during this time. He was kind of viewed as a weak queen, a weak king as well.
2: Yeah, and the early years of bilan's life wouldn't have been that noteworthy. Yeah. It's said that her parents loved, <laughs> it's said that her parents loved troubadour poetry and mm-hmm. music as well as Fashion and parties. (laughs) So (laughs) She was probably introduced to a lot of that in her youth. But nothing really noteworthy happened in her life.
1: Yeah. Do you remember in our Eleanor of Aquitaine episodes, we talked about like the troubadour style. Do you remember in the Disney Robin Hood with the foxes? You know, the little chicken walking around at the beginning with the little guitar being like, he was supposed to be a troubadour. (laughs) so useless facts that's (laughs) her childhood was pretty uneventful pretty chill until it wasn't and uh, a whole bunch of drama went down King John what you need to know is that her dad has not named an heir he only has two daughters and he's still hoping that one of his sons will be born and like Survive childhood and so he hasn't named an heir which is what we in the industry call a rookie mistake
2: yeah uh, queen's podcast official stances you always name an heir you always name an heir <laughs> follow us for more practical kingdom advice
1: yes yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah one day king john went hunting and he fell from his horse and he died. I feel like something is missing in that story, but I couldn't find anything else. But it, it kind of sounds like to me, oh, our king kind of sucks. And then he just goes horseback, like he goes hunting and falls from his horse and dies. And everyone's just like, oh, no, it just doesn't. Oopsie, maybe that should have been researched. A little. What's what's going on no here? More. Like, well, should we do like some cold cases? We should ask Tandy. <laughs>
2: We should ask Sandy, did somebody push him from his did horse?
1: Did somebody, did he fall from his horse, but then somebody, you know, strangled him or something? I just, I was like, it just seems too convenient, but I couldn't find anything. Oh, how convenient. And now
2: it's time for the contenders of the throne.
1: Ooh, <laughs> yes. Who will be the next ruler of Aragon?
2: In this corner, we have 11-year-old Ilan. 11. She's a child. She's a girl, so, and I don't mean to say that so negatively, but this is going to be a tough sell to everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) However, she has a mother who's been running the country as Queen Lieutenant for, like, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. There's that.
1: And then in this corner, we have John's brother, Martin, Yolande's uncle. Martin is a full-ass adult man Mm -hmm. who already has... A full-ass adult son he has a son that's 20 years old so that means that there should be like a peaceful transfer of power you know what i mean like the because that's a big concern to people Is like well, what happens when he dies if he's already got a grown-ass adult son that puts that's you know that puts him ahead in the race you know what i mean however martin is the regent of sicily which we just really don't have time but the kings of aragon at this time kind of claimed to be kings of sicily with little asterisks like it's confusing uh but he so he's over in sicily putting down a rebellion there so he is super occupied
2: yeah and if we didn't think that it was just in one corner or two corners we there's three, three corners, corners. <laughs> what no. What? <laughs> and in the third corner, we have Yolande's older sister, Yoana. And Yoana was in her 20s and was married to the Count of Foix. And so, yes, she's a woman, but she's the oldest surviving child. And she has a backing of a very rich husband. Yeah.
1: Honestly, I think Yoana had the best claim. Because, I mean, yeah, she's the oldest one. It wasn't completely unheard of for a woman to rule in Spain if she had. A husband who was like politically minded so i honestly think she had the best claim but uterus you know
2: oh okay. it's just floating around it's just and, and because and because uteruses scare people they just the floating public...
1: around
2: <laughs> they don't know what they're doing <laughs> oh my god <laughs> she's so crazy <laughs> the public opinion was anti-uterus yes. in martin's favor yes ironically though he can't come and hold down the fort right away because sicily is uh having a wee bit of little unrest yeah no. and he decides to send his wife because duh, a woman should
1: isn't that fun <laughs> isn't that ironic he sends his wife her name don't you think her name is maria de luna And she is cool as fuck. I don't think she has enough information to be her own episode, but I think she would make a great Patreon episode because she is really powerful in her own right. And you know how we have that thing that we're always like, we love this political, we love this historical figure. And then we learn about like how they treated the Jewish community in their country. And we go, oh no, she's the opposite. Like, I mean, she wasn't exactly making Jewish people part of her privy council or whatever, but she was like being like, hey, maybe we don't make them wear big yellow stars hey, maybe we don't kill them just because they're Jewish. You know, like, so anyway, Maria DeLuna, <laughs> Patreon. What do you think, Nathan?
2: Oh, absolutely. And she rocks on up with a huge army and immediately squashes Sister Joanna's army. And to be honest, that's the last we hear, of Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Yep,
1: she, <laughs> she's done. And when Maria goes to kick Yoland and mom out of town, Mama V says, you can't do that. I'm pregnant. Dramatic music. Uh, And
2: Yolanda's like, what? You are?
1: And mom is like, (laughs) shh, shut the fuck up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And most historians agree that this was a tactic. But we have no way of knowing that for sure. But... The new queen then proceeded to lock Mama V and Yolande up and ye old dusty castle. Yeah. yeah. And then imprisons everyone who had ever been friends with Mama. So it doesn't sound Tad like... a bit harsh. When when you're good to Mama, Mama ain't Ma- good to no. you. No. <laughs> <laughs> she ain't. <laughs> okay,
1: but Nathan, question. Why would it have mattered if Mama was pregnant?
2: I mean, that's the next heir. That's the next... Like,
1: because if she had a boy, everyone else is out of the running anyway, right? Even if it's, yeah. even if it's a, if it's an infant, <laughs>
2: if it had been a boy, it doesn't matter.
1: Doesn't have a uterus. Can it speak? No. It is our king. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Bag of dicks. <laughs> bag of dicks. History is history is bag of dicks. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so
2: uh, after a few months, it became apparent that Mama was not going to give birth and Yolande and her mom are kicked out of court
1: yeah when we talk about adult Yolande I feel like everything we just discussed is such part of her formative years do you know what I mean she's going to be hard-headed she's going to take chances she's going to have a flair for drama and I feel like everything we just discussed in its own could have been a such a cool little mini-series so there's a drama with her mama
2: the drama with her mama yes. keeps consisting yes. because it's mama against her against the world yes and Viola decides she's dedicating her life to educating her daughter like these are the families of aragon you need to keep your eyes on and these are the people in france you can rely on yeah let me tell you you need to know about the english kings and everything before you're got to go into the hundred years war because that's a whole
1: thing. I'm just imagining in my head like those montage things in movies where it's just a bunch of clips of you like studying and looking at a map and like in the background it's like you better work bitch and just like of her like (laughs) becoming like a political mastermind with her mom. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take a second to think though. Yolande is 11. Everything that just went down, how would this have affected her? In one year... Her dad dies. She sees every living relative she has basically fight each other and do just, I'm sure, say and do some nasty shit. And then she gets locked up in Ye old Dusty Castle for, I don't know, six months or something like that. And then she gets kicked out of the only home
2: she's ever known. So that's rough. This is some soap opera shit. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. how you raise a villain? How,
0: yes,
1: <laughs> it is giving villain origin story, a hundred percent.
2: But y'all, she's eleven years old, and when you're a princess in ye old Europe, that's press your pop. Um, I'm pressed my prom. <laughs> <laughs> But y'all, she's 11 years old. And when you're a princess in ye olde Europe, mm. that is past your prime. Ugh,
1: getting <laughs> up there. God, who yeah. would ever want her?
2: She's an old maid. <laughs> <laughs> time to get her married, though. And the king of England comes not, knock, 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 knock knocking on heaven's door.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yes. So this is the first time in several times in this episode where we are going to have some cross references. Longtime listeners of a podcast will remember whenever we did that Isabeau of Bavaria series, and so this is going to be like the first time that those that topic and this top topic intersects, because the dude that comes knocking on her door is a king of England known as Richard II. He's in his mid twenties, and she's eleven. So Nathan, what do we call that on a scale of one to ten? How gross is that? Fourteen. <laughs> Um, it's it's quite severe. Yeah. <laughs> but then the French king and French queen are like, no, and they swoop in. They're like, no, 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 marry our daughter instead. Do you remember this, Nathan? Then the English king, who's in his mid twenties, marries the French princess Isabella, that is eight years old. Eight. <sighs> I hate it here.
2: Cause it's all gonna make it better.
1: I mean, I mean, yeah, there was like strict rule. And like we did a whole Patreon episode about this marriage and everything. And there were very strict rules in place about like, you cannot have sex with our eight year old. But you know what? That should never even be part of the conversation.
2: No, that that seems logical. <sighs> anyway. So, yeah, listen to the Isabeau of Bavaria episode and you know that whole story. Yeah, yeah. And if not, just please check it out because uh, this is not a fun time.
1: No, but their stories <laughs> cross paths a lot.
2: Anyway, she's not going to be the Queen of England, but that's okay. It's okay. She's still hot. Yeah. She's a commodity. She's on the marriage market at age 11. What?
1: (laughs) And then that's when Louis, Duke of Anjou's mom, sends Mama V like an email. Just like, hey girl, what's up? You have a single daughter. I have a single son. So much money. I also... Have so much money. What if we put those monies together? You see where I'm going here. You see where I'm going here. Let's talk. Gross. I know.
2: Gross. But we don't fully have the time to go into it. But, but yeah. Louis had been crowned the king of Naples. But Aragon also had claim to Naples. So and I really just don't want to get into it's
1: that, so no. it's so confusing. Like I did try, I was like, I want to understand this better. And after an hour and I still didn't fully understand it, I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So both of their countries have claim to being the ruler of Naples. Because if you look on the map, Anju and an Aragon, if you're taking your boat to Naples, it's the same. They're gonna cross paths. And so it was like, let's just make like a peace treaty and just be chill about it. And uh, not attack each other in the water when the other one is trying to get to Naples, which I support. Hey, let's not attack each other. Fair. Fair. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, at first, Yolande was like, absolutely not. Hard no. She even like signs this document in public. It was like a whole ceremony of her signing this promise to not marry the Duke of Anjou, which I... I couldn't find more information on like was that normal? <laughs> like what the like what the fuck was that? Like why?
2: Like what? where did this come from?
1: I couldn't find more information on that, but that I just thought that was fucking. I couldn't find more information on that. I just thought that was fucking weird. But I have to wonder if maybe Mama V had been like, no, don't marry that
2: guy, and she's just like, you got it. Probably, yeah. Probably history. Probably.
0: <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> but but then her uncle Martin, aka King of Aragon, told her no you're marrying same dude yeah and she went kicking and screaming to their first meeting and then she abruptly changed her mind when she met him
1: <laughs> what what let's speculate let's pull on up to the speculation station let's what oh, why do we think he, she changed maybe he was hot
2: maybe so and maybe she's like wait what what huh
1: yeah or maybe um maybe she was just like i don't actually have any say in this anyway so i may as well just do it do you know what i mean
2: I think that's probably more likely the same point.
1: Either way, once she actually met him, she changed his mind. They were married in the year 1400. Yolande was 15. Louis was 22. What Barf. But, I mean, we've seen worse. At least she's not 8 and he's 28. You know, we've definitely seen... It's not like Margaret Beaufort where she's 13. Because, I mean, 15 is obviously, in my scholarly opinion, too young to get married. But at least by then, like, maybe you've hit puberty. We've seen worse, is what I'm getting at.
2: (laughs) Yes. And Yolande is now the Duchess of Anjou, Countess of Maine, Countess of Provence, and Countess of Piedmont. And depending on who you talk to, sometimes she's also the Queen of Naples. Yeah.
1: So that's not not, a bad resume. That is not a bad resume. Okay, cool. So we have set her up where she is sitting pretty, being very powerful, being very rich with a whole bunch of titles. I think I need to take a quick break and top off my drink before we go on. What do you think, Nathan? Me too. Yes.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Did archaeologists discover Noah's Ark? Is the rapture coming as soon as the Euphrates River dries up? Does the Bible condemn abortion? Don't you wish you had a trustworthy academic resource to help make sense of all of this? Well, I'm Dan Beecher, and he's award-winning Bible scholar and TikTok sensation, Dr. Dan McClellan, and we want to invite you to the Data Over Dogma podcast, where our mission is to increase public access to the academic study of the Bible and religion, and also to combat the spread of misinformation about the same. But, you know, in a fun way. Every week we tackle fascinating topics. We go back to source materials in their original languages. And we interview top scholars in the field. So whether you're a devout believer. Or you're just interested in a clear-eyed, deeply informed look at one of the most influential books of all time. We think you're going to love the Data Over Dogma podcast. Wherever you subscribe to awesome shows. And we are back. Nathan, should we meet the
1: hubby?
2: Should we meet Louis? Shall we? Shall we? Louis II of Anjou was also a grandchild of the King of France. And France. They, <laughs> they are like second cousins, y'all. And his dad died when he was young. So he'd been Duke of Anjou since he was like seven years old.
1: We at Queen's Podcast would consider seven to be a baby and Uh, Nathan what do we say about babies
2: babies don't need jobs. babies don't need jobs Jobs. and no
1: babies don't need to be dukes we also have onesies on our merch store that say babies don't need jobs if you would like your baby to
2: babies don't need to be not dukes
1: babies don't need to be (laughs) dukes no no
2: put your dukes up (laughs) and the baby is not one as long as
1: not one of those dukes is not a baby
2: This is a wild time in European history. We've got the Hundred Years' War. We have a civil war in France. We got Spain being super dramatic all the time because it's time. soap opera. And we've got two popes, two popes, a pope. Got two the and the, the anti <laughs> popa, no, I'm a da popa. Yeah. Oh, uh, we don't have time to explain this.
1: I do it's, think we have a pa- bullshit. I think we have a Patreon episode about the anti pope, like explaining what that yeah, was. I mean, that's kind of old, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Louis's father on his deathbed was like, I want my son to be king of Naples. Which I'm like, that is a lot to put on a seven-year-old. When Louis was 12, the anti-pope named him king of Naples. But the normal pope backed some other dude. It is so fucking confusing.
2: But by the time of his marriage to Yolande, someone else was actually ruling Naples, and he pretty much lost all support because the The Antipoppa died. He died! Sorry. (laughs) He still would have called himself king of Naples, and Ilan often called herself queen of Aragon. Like, they ruled in the name of... Delusion. Delusion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Despite not having the active titles of king and queen... They had a shitload of other titles like they were they were fine. Yeah. The Duke of Anjou. Anjou was a very, very powerful and very, very rich region. So they're they might not be kings and queens, but they are fine. (laughs) Like, let's not let's not feel sorry for
2: them. But how did they get along?
1: Thankfully, we think they might have like actually loved each other. Which, like, for modern-day marriages, you're like, well, I fucking hope so. But back then, that wasn't necessarily a given, you know? Nope. Um, I think Yolande liked how ambitious he was. And I think Louis liked that she had the kind of training needed to, like, run shit when he wasn't around.
2: Yeah. And he wasn't around pretty often. Yeah. (laughs) Because in case you haven't figured it out yet, there's just nonstop wars. All the time. All the time. War. War. Huh. Good, good God, God yo. God. What is a good for? Friends okay. in England, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but for the day, they would have been considered, it would have been considered a happy marriage. And they were a power couple.
1: Yes, I love that. Back then, for a marriage to be considered a quote unquote success, that also means you got to have babies on babies on babies on babies. And they did. But... Not right away. Thank God. Their first son, Louis, was born like about three or four years after their marriage. So Yolande is like 19, which is a lot less gross than some other situations that we've... It's not um, Margaret Beaufort, you know, having a baby at 13. Thank God.
2: Yeah, so Ew. let's fast forward. <laughs> Past that grossness and... <laughs> The next year, uh, Yolande had a baby girl named Marie, and over the next 10 years, they had five children. And it seems like they all lived to be adults, which is kind of very rare for the time. I
1: mean, I have to imagine as Yolande, because, you know, she grew up, she wouldn't have known her dad's first marriage, but in her mom and dad's marriage, she had... She had four siblings that didn't survive, you know. So as a mother, you must be like bracing yourself like, oh, shit, some of these kids aren't going to live. And when they all did, how nice, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm just very happy for her for that, you know. Yes. So after Marie, she then had a little boy named Renee. And after him was a girl named Yolande, because, you know, they're Uh, they're not creative (laughs) with names here.
2: Not at all.
1: And then lastly, they had a boy named Charles, named after the French king, Charles VI.
2: That doesn't seem like a subtle dig. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But just like her mom, Yolande was a fiercely protective mother. And as far as we can tell, she kept her kids at home with. With her instead of sending them off to be, like, educated at somebody else's court. Yeah,
1: we've talked about that in this show a lot. People get sent off somewhere else to be raised. Mm. I think we were talking about it in the Katherine Howard episode where it was like, well, one, so they learn other cultures, and two, so their parents don't spoil them. So that makes me feel like she's like, I want to spoil my fucking kids. <laughs> Good for her.
2: Yep. Proud of her.
1: Yeah. So-
2: now, let's get into politics. Mm-hmm. So, Louis and Yolande were very powerful, and France was fighting not just one but two wars. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> and since France is in a civil war and war with England, they really needed their backing mm-hmm. because they were close enough and rich enough to help each other out every now and then.
1: Yeah, I mean, Anjou had so much money, and I mean. I'm sure if Yolande asked, she could also get money from Aragon and when it came to like, supporting the French. So, the French were like, "Yeah, we, wee wee wee. Come over here."
2: <laughs>
1: Yolande started calling herself the queen of four kingdoms, which again, this is the you, she's queen of nothing, but I love, I <laughs> Yes, it is giving Danny. Absolutely. <laughs> I am here for this level of uh Delusion that she like, she's just like, <laughs> I am queen of four kingdoms. She said she claimed Aragon, Naples, Sicily, and Jerusalem all oh, under wow. her. I don't really wow. understand the Jerusalem thing of it, but it doesn't matter. We just don't have time. But big clit energy is what I'm getting yes. at here. She's yes. just like, Oh yeah, that play. Well, I feel like she would have been like, Narnia, never heard of it. Queen. I'm the queen of that. Like- <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's and such a Louis. Leo
1: thing to do, if I'm being <laughs> honest.
2: You know what? You know what? Jerusalem never heard of it. Never heard of it. I might as well claim of it. But I'm
1: queen. I'm queen.
2: <laughs> and Louis loved this about her. Yeah. He loved this ambition. And they just seemed to really vibe on each other and this delusional aspect of each other. So I think they were either really in love with each other or just really working on a good relationship or both.
1: Yeah. Hold up real quick. I'm going to look up real quick and see if I can find Louis' sign. Because I, I need to know now. I need to know if he was also a fire sign. October 5th. So that's Libra. So no, not. But air. But um, Libras can definitely have a bit of. A, can be very ambitious and think very highly of themselves. So I think this works. This works.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. anyway, so they've got all these titles. They have all these claims. But to their core, just like, you know, who are we talking about when Yolande was coming up, like when she was being raised, her parents were Francophiles? So is Louis. So is Louis, because he's also a grandson or whatever of a French king. They're both descended from John II of France, and they are both really proud of that. They are... Wee wee monsieur to their core (laughs) and they are always going to support france but france is in a civil war so what it's the spider-man meme where there's all the spider-mans pointing at each other it's like what do you what do 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 you you do what do you yeah who do we back yeah
2: and let's give a very quick high level tldr of the french civil war because the french king was this dude named Charles VI, and he had this whole mental breakdown heart- probably like years before that, mm-hmm. which was horrible timing because the French were fighting the English in a hundred years because it was a hundred years war. But it was actually 116
1: six. years, but we don't have time.
2: I know. So, <laughs> civil war broke out because we don't have time for that. And <laughs> all these different powerful dukes in France thought that they should be regent, which, what? Well, no, stop, guys
1: what do you remember about charles VI when we did the isabeau of bavaria episode what do you think
2: oh his his whole body with he had a piano inside of his
1: he thought body. He, what nathan is saying he thought he ate he imagined that he ate a glass piano and yeah. so he thought he had been turned into glass and so he wouldn't let anybody touch him because he would shatter and so that not is the person not. running, maybe the most economically powerful country in the world at the time.
2: Not a good time. No. Oh,
1: <laughs> you sounded like you sounded like your Kermit voice there.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. Anyway, so at first Yolanda,
2: like, <laughs> you okay? <laughs> yes. Would you like to do some Kermiting for us? Hi, I'm Yolanda. <laughs> this is a bad time, y'all. <laughs>
1: Anyway, so at first, Yolande was like, well, obviously, we want to align ourselves with the king and queen of France, whatever they want. That is whose side we want to be on during the 100 years or during the Civil War. And so the queen of France at the time is is Isabeau of Bavaria, who we have three episodes on. And I will put links to those. I'll put links to those Spotify episodes in our show description if you want to listen to that. But um, Nathan, when you can't talk shit on the king, who do you talk shit on? The
2: queen. Yes. I mean, it's it's so convenient to just. She's got one of those uteruses. And it's just floating around and she doesn't know what to do. She's the blame.
1: Yes. And because people couldn't be like, our king is off his rocker. Instead, they were just like, our queen's a bitch. And be- that was fine. And so Isabeau has not gone down in history as being super popular. And I just think that's such bullshit. But anyway.
2: Yeah. But Yolanda was like, I don't buy it. I think this poor woman is just the victim of a shitty circumstance. Yes. which Hashtag Saint. Yes. So she meets the queen of France. They've eaten 1413, and the main topic of conversation was a marriage alignment. And at this point, Queen Isabeau had, like, so many sons. So many sons. And her youngest son, Charles, was then engaged to Yolande's eldest daughter, Marie. Oh!
1: Yolande wouldn't have been thinking that Marie would become Queen of France from this marriage. Because, like we said, at this time, I think Charles had three older brothers. You know, it's like, No, five older brothers. So it's not like she's not doing this, being like, my daughter's going to be queen, you know, but uh, foreshadowing. We'll get to that later. But after this meeting, Yolande took baby Charles, the young prince from France, back to Anjou with her to raise him at her court and to get a good education.
2: Which was lucky because the next year there was a huge battle against England called the Battle of Angkor and France lost hard. It was a bad time for France. (laughs) So Yolande took her kids in that bad time with France (laughs) and her little baby and son-in-law and got the fuck out of town to super south France.
1: Yeah, or like modern day France, like super, super Mm -hmm. south, super away from the fighting. Unfortunately, the next year saw a lot of death that affected Yolande and her family. Back to back, like within the span of two years, two of Charles's brothers died. And so now Charles, little baby Charles, that's living with Yolande in the south of France, he is the new heir apparent, which in France they call the new Dauphin. Dauphin? Dauphin?
2: Dauphin. Dauphin. Yeah. Dauphin.
1: He's a new dolphin. He is a flipper.
2: <laughs> and sadly, in 1417, Yolanda's husband, Louis, died. Their oldest child was 13, and the youngest was only three. Oh,
1: my God. I kind of love for her that she only had five kids in 10 years. So that means she wasn't pregnant for the whole 10 years straight, like we see so her often in this show. <laughs> but also to have a three-year-old and then your husband die, like that's... I mean, it's never good when your husband dies, but, like, that's just so much. That's a lot to deal with. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And in her son's minority, she's now regent of all of the lands.
1: And plus all the other countries that she rules in delusion.
2: From France. From France.
1: France. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and now she also has the next king of France living with her. She's got a lot of responsibilities is what I'm getting at.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we don't have any information on how she grieved Louis, though we have to assume she did. they had been married for like 17 years, and there seems to be some genuine affection. They loved each other at some point. I
1: get the vibe they loved each other. Like, actually loved each other. I do.
2: Yes. And he died at home with Yolande and the family by his side. So that's nice. And so many women at this time sent their husbands off to war and never saw them alive again yeah so count your chickens before they had i mean it's a it, southern it's, thing is.
1: <laughs> it's a small luxury not a whole bunch of other people got to actually be with their husbands while they died so at least she uh, i don't know yeah but now she is a very busy woman i don't know you i, I don't know about you but like in times in my life where i've had su- substantial grief i throw myself into projects I if I am busy at work, if I am busy with the podcast, if I am busy with creative things, I don't have time to think about what I'm sad about. Lifing. Yes. So I think that's what well, also, she just didn't have a choice. She got she was busy now. But I kind of feel like I get the vibe that it was kind of a bit of a relief to her to be so have so many things to do to like take her mind off of her grief. Because she did not take her responsibilities as regent of Anjou and Piedmont and all those other places and pretend queen of Naples or whatever. She took all of that so fucking seriously. And she's also now got the future king of France in her care. And she was just like busy, 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 busy. And then she gets a note that's like, technically, he's not the future king of France anymore. Wait, what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was, so she went, <laughs> pourquoi is probably what she said. But yeah, probably. What you need to know is that the king and queen of France, so Isabeau Bavaria and Charles VI, they had entered into this agreement called the Treaty of Troyes. And basically it named the English king as the king of France's heir. Being like, when I go, your heirs will then rule France.
2: drama.
1: (sighs) (laughs) So Why? uh, why did they sign that? And we do get into it in our Isabeau of Bavaria episodes. I really feel like they were just backed into a corner. And it was like, do we keep letting all of our people die? Or do we just make some concessions? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because for this story, what we need to know is that Yolande got that note that he's no longer heir and the English kings are the heirs now. And she saw red. She was fucking pissed. She was like, oh,
2: <laughs> hell no. She took it personally. Mm-hmm. And personally, I I don't blame her. <clears throat> we do believe Isabel Bavaria was doing this shit out of desperation. But for a woman as fierce and hard-headed as Yolande, she didn't get it. No. She couldn't fucking understand that. She didn't want and to. She was like, no. I, I wouldn't want to either. Yeah. Like, how dare you? But, I mean, put yourself in her shoes. Yeah. Her whole life has been fighting for a title. Mm. Her title is Queen of Aragon. Her title is Queen of Naples. And then her husband, who's been right there fighting with her for 17 years, is not dead.
1: Yeah. And now this little boy, who she has been caring for for the last four years... Is stripped of his title. And her daughter, she's like, My daughter's gonna be Queen of France. No. Now your daughter's stripped of a title too. And I think that is just Yolande being like, Fuck that. And just, Mm Absolutely not under my fucking roof. You know what I mean?
2: No. And Isabeau Bavaria writes Yolande and is like, Hey, I need you to send my son back to me. We're calling off this engagement. I can't have anyone starting a war with his name we need him back in paris like
1: (laughs) yolande writes back and actually nathan i think this would be a good time for some queen's podcast theater so uh (laughs) yolande writes back would you like to do the honors of uh reading her response i
2: shall acting (laughs) (laughs) we have not nurtured and cherished this one for you to make him die like his brothers, or to go mad, like his father, or to become English, like you. Oh, shit! I keep him for my own. Come and take him away, if you dare. Shoot. She's hitting personal with that one. She ain't playing around.
1: Isabel <laughs> did not dare. Isabel went, you know what, never mind. Uh, <laughs> okay, so before we wrap up how that all went down, let's take a quick break. Okie
0: dokie. Throughout history, royals across the world were notorious for incest. They married their own relatives in order to consolidate power and keep their blood blue but they were oblivious to the havoc all this inbreeding was having on the health of their offspring. From Egyptian pharaohs marrying their own sisters to the Habsburgs' notoriously oversized lower jaws, I explore the most shocking incestuous relationships and tragically inbred individuals in royal history. And that's just episode one. On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. I'm Lindsay Holliday, and I'm spilling the tea on history. Join me every Tuesday for new episodes of the History Tea Time podcast, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.
1: part of the area of media network available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au rezem revoir my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be
2: seeing you. It's 14:22.
0: Yes.
2: And it's another big year for another big moment in another big life of Yolande and her family. Yeah. So Yolande has a daughter named Marie, formerly married to Charles. Yes, they
1: have now actually been married. It's no longer a betrothal. They are man and
2: wife. And then a few months later, King Henry of England died and then Charles the 6th of France died of piano crumbling. He was campus. he was too glassy. Ugh. And then a month later, she's now the mother-in-law of the king of France. And how can you not acknowledge that she has a lot going on?
1: She has a lot on her plate. She might need to circle back to you after the new year. And maybe she needs a nap or two. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> But yeah, the new king of England is Henry V. And so he's like, okay, well, I'm king of France now since that other king died, to which Yulande said, "Um, not under my fucking watch. And I just let's take a second to acknowledge that she is not queen of anything except for delusion. But she had so much power that if she was like, no, you're not a bunch of people paid attention. Do you know what I mean?
2: and the fact that a king couldn't recognize that
1: i mean he was like mm, okay little girl sit back in your corner and she's like oh
2: okay little boy watch me step outside exactly of me see that. our girl is willin and dylan like a boss that she was yes first she emails the king of scotland and is like hey This guy's fucking English, right?
1: And she was like, do you hate the English? He was like, I fucking hate the English. And she was like,
2: the enemy. Viva la France. Viva la France.
1: The enemy of my enemy is also my friend. Let's fuck this shit up. Yeah.
2: Hey, toxic masculinity.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So she becomes buddy, buddy with the king of Scotland being like, come over to France and let's fuck with the English. And he was like, yeah, lassie, let's do it. (laughs) Let's absolutely
2: and then obviously she's got the army of Anjou on her side
1: yes yes
2: and it's no stretch that she could probably get some of her relatives on aragon on her side in her army too maybe probably.
1: and maybe it, she goes to the duke of Brittany and was like hey you know the scottish are on their way do you really want to fight with us and the Scottish, and the Duke of Brittany was like, nah. It was a... (laughs) So we just flipped sides. (laughs) So she's just getting people to change political alignments left, right, and center. Like, she's that persuasive. I love that.
2: She's got the power, and now she's got God on her side. Oh, God? (laughs) What do you mean? She's got God... What? (laughs) She's got it, and it's called Joan of Arc entering the chat. (laughs) Slide into my DMs. It's Joan of Arc. Maybe
1: you've (laughs) heard of her. Joan. I didn't know her. What? She doesn't even go here. (laughs) Joan of Arc. She does. She does. (laughs) I'm sure Joan of Arc will get her own episode someday. But no, so Joan of Arc was this peasant girl that said she talked to saints and that she talked to God. And they told her, no, do not give France to the English charles needs to be the next king and so she's like well if god said so and so this gets to yolande and yolande is like oh i can work with this
2: and after vetting her in which they even did a test to make sure she was like a virgin barf
1: gross i feel so bad for not all fair the- gross that's so gross that they used to like test people to see if they were virgins what Le- but no Yolan said, she was like, I believe this girl. This girl says that God is talking to her. I believe her. Let's put this girl in front of the army and let's kill some English dudes.
2: That is how this powerful woman was. She left no crumbs. And she ate them. all. She ate them? all. <laughs> oh! <laughs> there were a lot of people that were like, are we really trusting our military guidance to this? girl that hears voices
1: sounds a little and bit of cock-a-doodle-doodle
2: like, to me and people were like if Yolande says she's speaking to God maybe she's speaking to God and we don't need to ask questions so that's how powerful that's how that yeah that's who she was that that's who she that was. is the
1: level of influence she carried which I just love that meanwhile she put Charles into king training do you remember her bit with her mom where it was like The montage of "You Better Work, Bitch." That's what she did with Charles. She was like, "You are gonna learn who's who in the royal families. You are about to learn all these languages. You're gonna learn diplomacy. This is how you treat people. This is how you work and wheel and deal diplomacy." Yeah, it just reminds me so much of what she went through with her mom.
2: And eventually, Charles was crowned in 1429 after seven long years of fighting. Could could we have done this without his tough-as-nails mother-in-law?
1: I don't fucking think so. I, th- I, th- I think if Yolande had not been pushing him forward, he would not have done this on himself, for himself. You know what I mean? I do. All the regions of France were like, let me flip. You know what? Never mind. Uh, I think Yolande is the one to go with.
2: <laughs> Until they were finally united, and Charles was the undisputed king of France. This, this, and this Joan of Arc character is problematic. And they were like, wait, is Hmm. she though? Is she though? Speaking of which,
1: I sadly, so spoiler alert, things don't go great for Joan of Arc. But I couldn't find anything that spoke towards if Yolande did anything to try to save Joan of Arc. I was really hoping that I would find something with Yolande, like being like, no, don't burn her at the stake. But
2: uh... why would she? because she had no reason
1: because Joan of Arc helped her out like of course she had a reason but but it doesn't it doesn't seem like she did which fucking sucks but oh well once Charles was firmly on the throne and her son was old enough to run Anjou on his own she retired which I feel like deserved she deserves to fucking retire and so she retires from court and just like, goes to like her own place no photos no appointments but nathan
2: but she was behind the scenes yeah
1: do you think she actually
2: quit her political work no oh no, of course she not. Was, uh, pulling strings with the kings yeah <laughs> that's what that was yes. <laughs> and she was pulling strings with the king to get grandkids
1: political marriages signing up on what just like making sure things like she was from behind the scenes technically retired but still
2: working what's wrong with that nothing that's she's great yeah she went out of her way to befriend mistresses of dukes in france and convince him to be her spies
1: I love that because we we also, when we did the Catherine de' Medici episode, we talked about how she did the same thing where she befriended mistresses and stuff and like turned them into spies. So, yeah, Yolande was like, oh, you're someone's mistress? What do you know? And she actually had a woman that worked for her that ended up being her son-in-law's main mistress, everybody's favorite titty. Agnes Sorrell.
2: Surprise, surprise,
1: surprise. surprise.
2: Yolanda Vergon, the would-be queen (laughs) of so many places, died in 1442 at the age of 58. Her funeral, the king of France, wrote her a beautiful epitome that basically said that he owed this to her
1: he owed his rule to her in his epitaph yeah
2: so let's talk about legacy oh
1: my god well first of all a future queen of england was her granddaughter wars of the roses margaret of anjou and she would go on to kind of set the precedent about how women could be rock stars in the world of diplomacy so,
2: and, and not be silent.
1: Yes!
2: Speak up. So, speak up.
1: Let's raise a glass to Yolande of Aragon. Cheers, bitches.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family,
1: cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now,
2: you wanna get mixed up in the
1: family business? Introducing the Godfather at Chabacasino.com.